Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, April the 10th, 2023. It is currently 524 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is the Theology Central podcast where we attempt to make theology Central. It's also the podcast where I didn't have the proper intro music. But I mean, come on, considering all the things that's gone wrong today, that's the least of my concerns, right? That's the least of my concerns. See, what should have happened, what should have happened is when I went live, where is it? What should have happened is you should have heard this. This is what should have happened. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. But the reality is you didn't hear that, okay, because, well, we went live and as soon as the software opened up, the Spreaker software, that's where we play that intro from, it was gone, It was just gone. And I'm like, oh, no. And I know what you're saying. You should have checked it first. And you know what? I should have. Because it would have been absolutely clear. It would have been so clear if I would have just minimized, or what? can't even minimize. If I would have closed the window that was open that was covering everything, then guess what? I would have clearly seen that I did not have the intro. I would have inserted the intro. And then we could have had a good intro. Everything would have worked perfectly. It would have been clear to me that there was a problem. But guess what? I did not take the time to look. You know why? Because if I would have closed out the window that was open, all of the information that I have to type out before we go live, I have to give the episode a title, I have to give it a description, have to give it five to 10 what's called hashtags. So, you know, Bible interpretation, Bible, theology, doctor. I have to, I have to, I get all of that filled out. The minute I, I, if I click away from it, it disappears and I would have to do that again. Well, I didn't want to have to type it all out. So for the sake of saving a little time, I didn't check. So I wasn't clear. And because I wasn't clear, I ended up being extremely, extremely wrong. But it would have been easy to be clear. All I had to do was look. All I would have to do is look, and I could have had a clear answer that I did not have the right intro. But I did not look. But if I would have, it would have been clear. Are you getting, are you getting me emphasizing something? Yes. I keep using my intros today to really emphasize how clear some things can be, right? If I, if I want to know the date, if I want to know the time, if I want to know the current weather, I can pick up my iPad and tell you that it's Monday, April the 10th, 2023, 5.27 PM central time. I can, I can see, close this window out. 
I can click on this app and I can tell you that it's currently 78 degrees here in Abilene, Texas. All right. I can, I can tell you what I, I, I can tell you all of this. I can tell you there's a chance for rain this evening. I can tell you whatever you need to know. It's clear. It's right there on my iPad. So I could look on my screen on the MacBook Pro. I could have told you, nope. Uh, sorry, I got to fix this because we don't have the intro right. I can look on my iPad, get all of that information. But I also have a Bible right here. I have a Bible right here. And within the evangelical Protestant Christian world, there is a common teaching. It is a basically a doctrine of many churches that the Bible is clear. The Bible is clear. Perpiscuity of scripture, I think is how it's referenced by many, that the scriptures are absolutely clear. That we don't need a magisterial authority. We don't need a pope. That we, with the Bible, we can understand. Oh, maybe some things are not as clear as other things. But all that we need to know, we can understand it. The farmer, the carpenter, the housewife, the college graduate, the high school dropout. We can all understand it. It's because it's God's word. And he made it, he made it accessible and clear to all people. That is a common teaching. I bet your church holds to some, some, something similar to that kind of doctrinal perspective. Whether you know it or not, they do. Now, to me, I've got major problems with that doctrine. I got, I got, I got, man, I got, I got 99 problems with that doctrine. And the, and the reason why is because, well, wait a minute. If it's that clear that the housewife, to the college dropout, to the college, or to the high school dropout, to the college graduate, that they can all understand it. If that is true, then why? Please tell me. I pray that you tell me. I beg of you to tell me then why are there hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of denominations and groups and ministries that all say different things. No one in Christianity can agree on what the word repentance means. No one in Christianity can agree on what the word baptism means. No one can agree on what form of church government we should use. Nobody can agree on, can, can we do this in church? Can we not do this? Regulative principle, normative principle. There, there's just disagreement after disagreement after disagreement after disagreement after disagreement after disagreement. And no one can deny that. Now, typically what happens is what some Christians say, well, the reason there's so many disagreements is because there's so many false believers. See, they're not really saved. Oh, but you are. So you're saved. So your interpretation is right. Anyone who has a wrong interpretation is obviously not saved. Well, isn't that convenient for you? I mean, like that... How is that even an answer? Well, the problem is they're all living in sin. Oh, but you're not living in sin. So you are, you're not, you are saved. You are not living in sin and you can interpret the Bible and everyone else just happens to be, well, not saved or living in sin. It's just, that's a ridiculous approach. I don't know why people would take that. So, so we, I, I struggle with this concept all the time and we started listening to a session at a gospel coalition conference, we believe happened in 2017. It was a breakout session. And, and his whole thesis, his whole, his whole lecture is, Hey, if the Bible is clear, why are there so many denominations? And he's supposedly going to answer it for us, fix it for us. Now we've done three plus hours of listening to him. And we still don't even have anything close to an answer. It's been circular reasoning, contradictory reasoning, just maddening because he's not even attempted to try to fix the problem. 
his approach has been, and I'm not going to review everything, but here on my notes that I can't read, he his first con his first idea was, hey, 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 the problem is. Is that you Christians, that Christians who don't understand the Bible, uh, is because they don't have a proper understanding of the sufficiency of scripture. See, the scripture is not sufficient to answer every question. So the reason that there is, the reason that there's all these different denominations is because the Bible just doesn't give us enough information to mean, to lead to not being so many denominations. So you mean the Bible is not sufficient enough to tell us what we should believe about baptism? The Lord's Supper? Church structure? salvation? Like, I mean, that that doesn't help at all. Next, we don't clearly understand the clarity of Scripture. See, if we could understand the clarity of Scripture, then there wouldn't be so many denominations. Well, wait a minute. What he tries to say is the Bible's not clear in all parts. So then, once again, it comes down to, well, the reason there's all these different denominations is because the Bible's not clear on certain subjects. So you're telling me the Bible's not clear on baptism? You're telling me the Bible, like, once again, that, that doesn't help us in any way, shape or form. Next, he says, we don't understand sola scriptura. And what he means by that is like, sola scriptura means that, uh, and I'm basically paraphrasing, is that you can't interpret the Bible apart from confessions of faith, catechisms, creeds, and all of church tradition. So if you're really, if you're really going to understand the Bible, if, if, if we're really going to come to a correct understanding of the Bible, we need all of these documents. We need all of church history. But then later he says, we need the Bible in order to judge church history. So is the Bible, the, is church history the thing that helps us understand the Bible? Or is it the Bible that helps us in, uh, judge church history? If the Bible is clear enough for us to judge church history, then we don't need church history to understand the Bible. Right? I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's just so contradictory there. So we looked at that. Then we looked at his uh, idea that we need the history of the church, which we, again, it's almost kind of the same concept. We need the history of the church. We need it, but yet we're going to be the ones judging the history of the church. And if you've ever studied church history, you would be like, who do you agree with? Because you got this person and this person and this person and this person and this person. And this person and this. It, it's just, it's maddening. And then he says, don't exaggerate the differences. Hey, hey, don't exaggerate the differences. So his way of saying the Bible is clear because that's his presupposition is the Bible is clear. Just, we don't, ex just, hey, I know there's all these differences. Just don't exaggerate them. It's almost like just don't ignore them. And that is not a solution in any way, shape or form. He probably gave some other points. I think that that's a basic overview. We've got, I don't know, we don't have a long time left, but we're going to finish the review. So are you ready? This is from a Gospel Coalition conference, I think 2017. Is the Bible clear? And if the Bible is clear, why is there so many denominations? And at this point, he's not really given us any and not even, I, and th in fact, the more I listen to this, the more it just shows me how utterly confused and confusing this whole subject is. For me, I will do an episode where I offer my, what I think are some solutions, and you can tell me whether you agree or not. But right now, let's just jump back into the review. Again, there's no easy, when you're up to part four, there's no easy transition. So here we go. So we must recognize that this is a human problem. Seventh, we must distinguish between meaning and significance. Okay, I forgot. Um, the last point he made, if you, if you missed the last part, he made this big point that basically the 
problem of interpretive pluralism, the problem that nobody can know, can agree on anything. The problem is a human problem. So, so this is the way he basically argues. The Bible is absolutely clear. The reason there's all these different differences and disagreements is because it's a human problem. We just, we just have this problem with, and uh, with interpreting things. We just have this problem with coming to conclusions that we agree on. That it's just a perpetual, never ending interpretive pluralism. It's just going to continue to happen because we're human beings. So, so in some ways, I guess this is supposed to fix the problem. See, the Bible's absolutely clear. The problem is that none of us can ever come to a right agreement. So that would, and I don't know how this supposedly fixes the problem because but basically what he's saying is, look, the Bible is clear because that's my theology. It tells me it's clear. But guess what? It doesn't really matter how clear it is because just like lost people in the world cannot come to an agreement on anything, neither can Christians. Christ, not, Christians can't either. Christians can't come to an agreement on anything. The Bible is clear, but we just can't because it's a human problem. Well, that that, that just, and I'm sorry, hitting the microphone. It, it, that just seems like a cop out. Hey, hey, the Bible is absolutely clear, but guess what, guys? We're never going to be able to come to any any conclusion. We're never going to have unity. We're never going to have agreement. So that's just basically what he's saying is just don't worry about it. So I don't know why he's spending an hour at a conference Telling us basically, hey, if the Bible is clear, why are there so many denominations? Because his answer is just, well, the Bible is absolutely clear, but hey, doesn't matter. Nobody's ever going to be able to figure it out. I, 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 I don't know how that answers the problem. So we talked about that in the last uh, episode. I'm going to move the microphone over here. I'm going to move this back just a little bit. Here we go. So we must recognize that this is a human problem. Seventh, we must distinguish between meaning and significance. Meaning and significance. Okay, I, I apologize there. I apologize there on Spreaker. So he, he wants us to, according to him, what we have to be able to figure out, what we have to be able to understand is the difference between meaning and significance. I, I, I'm sorry there the, on Spreaker, the microphone didn't come on. So, um, yeah. Still having issues. See, nothing is clear. It's not clear in how to podcast anymore. Okay, here we go. So he wants us to, he, his next point is we must know the difference between meaning and significance. See, the problem is we don't, if you go through all of these, the problem is we don't understand, we don't understand, we don't understand. So I guess nobody can just take the Bible and understand because you got to understand all of these things on top of the Bible. Then you can understand the Bible. I, I don't know. But we've got to understand the difference between meaning and significance. So let's see how this uh, plays out here for a second. I'm just going to back that up just a little bit. Just a little bit. Here we go. And significance. Meaning and significance. In the book, Christian Smith, as I mentioned, lists 17 different readings he's heard or seen on the story of Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. And at first glance, you say, wow, 17, we, we can't agree even on this beloved story. But when you start to look at the readings, you understand that few of them are mutually exclusive. Most of them that he lists either fairly exegete the text or they fairly seek to express the significance of the text. 
Many of you, if you're pastors, you've preached to it, or almost all of us have heard sermons on that. And it can be a sermon that focuses on worship. I'm looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. Sometimes it's a sermon on outreach. Sometimes it's a sermon on evangelistic back and forth. Sometimes it's a sermon on how to ask good questions. Sometimes it's a sermon on how to let Jesus invade your life. There's all sorts of ways. That doesn't mean that we don't agree on what the text means or how to interpret it, but there are a number of different angles by which we can apply the significance of a text like that. So just because different sermons come up with different homiletical points does not mean that pervasive interpretive pluralism has eviscerated an evangelical approach to the Bible. Yeah, but when they come to a completely different hermeneutical conclusion that basically is completely opposite to your conclusion, that basically says your conclusion is wrong, then it is an issue. Like He keeps trying to play down this, the difference. Well, this one person came up with 17 different readings. Well, these readings really aren't that different. They're, they're just different emphasis. I do agree that there's different emphasis. I do agree that in some sermons, one will emphasize one thing and someone will emphasize a different thing. I'm not claiming that that's a problem. What I'm claiming is sometimes that we'll say, this is what this means. And you'll be like, no, this is what this means. They're completely different interpretations. It's not just different emphasis. So he, he can minimize it all day long. I've listened, I listened to enough sermons to know, read enough commentaries to know. No, you're talking completely, radically different conclusions about things. I mean, like night and day, like one is saying this and the other one is saying something completely opposite. Meaning and significance. Number eight, Christians come to different conclusions on Scripture for several reasons. We come to different conclusions for several reasons. Christians disagree on interpretations sometimes because we have not looked hard enough at an issue or a text. I like how he says, sometimes. <laughs> Christians come to different conclusions sometimes. You know, you know, sometimes. I mean, not very often. I mean, you know, because we, we basically all agree on baptism and repent. Oh, yeah. All the things that I mention every single time. Yeah. I, it, it's so just utterly ridiculous to just so many. I mean, sometimes. And, and you know why? You know why we come to different conclusions? Because, you know, sometimes we just really haven't studied the text enough. You're right. 2,000 years. And I guess no one has studied baptism enough. I guess no one has studied repentance enough. I guess no one has studied church structure enough. I guess no one has studied salvation enough. I guess no one has studied a lot. I guess, I mean, no one has studied whether salvation is monergistic or synergistic, sanctification is monergistic. I mean, I can go on and baptism necessary, not necessary, lose your salvation, keep your salvation. I can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. 2,000 years, but you're right. That The problem is, well, we just haven't studied it enough. Maybe, maybe, maybe 6,000 years from now, we can be, all oh, Christians are more united than ever. They will never be more united. They will never be because everyone has become their own pope and their own authority. Sometimes we disagree because we are too bound by our own tradition, too eager to please our friends, either our living friends or our dead friends. Sometimes Christians disagree because the effects of sin the noetic effects of the fall affect our interpretive abilities. And sometimes... 
oh, now wait a minute. He's passing by that quickly. He's passing by that quickly. Okay, I'm going to write this down. This is something for us to pursue. How does the fall impact our interpretive interpretive ability. Hey, I mean, he just went right past that. Now, how does the fall impact our interpretive ability? Now, all people, all, 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 all of us have a fallen nature. All of us have a sinful nature. We're all fallen. Now, either he's, he, I'm, I'm assuming he's acknowledging that even in a, a, our fallen nature, our, our, the fall, our sin, impacts our uh, interpretive ability even as a believer. He, he can't just be referring to unbelievers. He's referring to believers. So now think about this. We're all sinners. We're all fallen. Our sinful nature stays with us even after conversion. So if the fall impacts our interpretive ability, can you ever trust your interpretive ability? The, the minute we admit that the fall impacts our interpretive ability, can you trust it then? Can you trust it? If the fall impacts your interpretive ability, can you ever then trust your interpretation? Why? Because as long as you know, I'm, I'm fallen, the fall impacts my interpretive ability. So then when, when do you know you've got it right? That, that's a big, I can't believe he just, he's flying past that one. That, that's, that's open for an entire conference. That, 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 that's a series of podcasts. And I don't even know how to explore the topic. Well, where would we look like, what, 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 would, what would do we do? Now, most Christians say the fall impacts the ability of lost people to interpret the scripture. But once we are Christians, now we possess said ability. Now, uh, Christians go with that theory all the time. Now, what I've seen, I've seen atheists who have a far better understanding of how to read a text than I've seen Christians sometimes. But that, but that, I, I just listen, just go read the church fathers. Their allegorical approach to scripture is insanity. So if the fall impacts our ability, then can we ever be dogmatic? Oh boy, that, that, I can't believe he just went past that. I'm going to, I'm going to go back here a little bit. All right, here we go. Our living friends or our dead friends. Sometimes Christians disagree because the effects of sin the noetic effects of the fall affect our interpretive abilities. And sometimes Christians disagree. This is going to sound revolutionary. Because one person is right and one person is wrong. Wow. Sometimes we disagree because one person is right and one person is wrong. This blows my mind that he's just saying this like, oh, every, you should just know this. Look, this is, the, this, is the, this is the whole problem. Everyone thinks they're right and they think everyone else is wrong. When do Christians go, I'm right and you're right? No, no, no. Christians are always like, I'm right, they're wrong. I'm right, they're wrong. My church is right, that church is wrong. I, I'm going to this church because it's right and I'm not going to that church because they're wrong. 
Now, what we can do is play down the, the differences and go, well, we think we're right. We think they're wrong. But hey, we can just all get along. Of course, it's always easy to say, let's get along when you're saying we're the right ones and you're the wrong ones. Rarely do you say, you know what? You know what? Let's let let's let's just get along. But I mean, uh, beca- and I know you're right and I know I'm wrong, but let's get it. No, both sides think they're right. So you just have to just then just minimize what you think you're right about and what they're wrong about. Sometimes that is the case. Hopefully we are all humble enough to remain open to correction and learning new things. But hopefully we are also humble and forthright enough to say, yes, I do believe that Mormons have misinterpreted this passage. I do believe my Arminian friends have misinterpreted this passage. I have many wonderful Baptist friends who believe I have misinterpreted a few passages. And strangely enough, they've also misinterpreted those same passages. Now, I have more respect for the Baptist on the issue of baptism who thinks, you know what, Kevin, I like your stuff. I learned some things. I appreciate you, but I'm a Baptist. And you're wrong. You're just, you're just wrong. You baptize, you baptize babies and you're wrong. And we can, we can talk about it, and we can do text. I can, I, can, I can deal with that. That's much more palatable than, well, all we have are interpretations, and no one can really know, and let's just, you know, uh, we agree to disagree as, as friends, but intellectually we understand that there are some mutually irreconcilable ideas. He keeps playing down the differences. I don't know. We can't get 2,000 years. We still can't get baptism right. We, nobody can agree. 2,000 years. We still don't know how to structure the church. Independent, denomination, presbyters, the hierarchy, a, a pastor-led, congregational-led, elder-led. Like nobody can agree on that. 2,000 years. We don't know how to, we, nobody knows what the word repentance means. I mean, we can't even agree on the meaning of the word baptizo. I mean, for crying out loud. But he wants to just, he can, he, it seems like his solution is just to say, hey, guys, of course we're going to disagree. Of course there's going to be different interpretations, but it's really not that big a deal. It's really just not that big a deal. He, he should have entitled this a thousand denominations. Who really cares? Who really cares? 25,000 denominations, 75,000 different interpretations. Who really cares? <laughs> that, that's what this should be called. And that's okay. And so we make a case. It, it, it's that famous line from G.K. Chesterton that the whole purpose of an open mind is to close on something solid. It's not to just remain open with every time you bend over, a new idea falls out and you, you just put, put them all. Where'd that come from? You close, you remain open so that you close on something. The church fathers understood that there were different biblical interpretations flying around. Let's not be naive about this. We think this is somehow a, a modern or a postmodern problem. Go read Augustine or read the church fathers or read Irenaeus and read all the heresies that they were battling. You know what the heretics usually did? They quoted scripture wrongly, but they. They quoted scriptures according wrongly because you say they were wrong. And not only that, when you get through all the church fathers, they don't always agree. 
So, but you told me that if I go to church history, that I'm going to find clarity, even though you told me that scripture would be the thing that I use to judge the, okay. how does this fix literally anything? Go to church history and you'll see that they disagreed on scripture. Hey, but it's going to help you understand the clarity of the Bible. Really? Okay. Okay. Quoted scripture. They believe the Bible was saying something. So this is not new. The church fathers understood that there were different interpretations. Here's Augustine writing on Christian doctrine. He says, what difficulty is it for me when these words can be interpreted in various ways, provided only that the interpretations are true? In Bible study, all of us are trying to find and grasp the meaning of the author we are reading. And when we believe him to be revealing truth, we do not dare to think he said anything which we either know or think to be incorrect. That sounds like Augustine could be writing today. He understood there was pervasive interpretive pluralism even in the 4th and the 5th century. And he says in that quotation simply, yeah, there's different interpretations. And you know what? Some of them are wrong. It was not a deal breaker for him. It did not undermine his confidence in the internal consistency or understandability of Scripture. Justin Martyr was, quote, entirely convinced that no Scripture contradicts another, he said. Origin of... Okay, and he's getting ready to quote Origin. Oh, my goodness gracious. He's going to quote Origin. Okay, I'm going to... I got to see what he's going to say when he quotes Origin because... and But if he took these church fathers... He, he, I guarantee there's plenty of things he would disagree with them on, but they say something that he, he, he agrees with them on, then somehow what? They're authoritative now? Hey, hey, even Augustine understood this. Yeah, and Augustine understood a lot of things you wouldn't agree with. Justin Martyr, and especially Origen. <laughs> oh, man. Let's see here. I'm going to go back here. All right, let's see. I, I want to see what he's going to say about Origen contradicts another, he said. Origen affirmed that Scripture is the one perfect and harmonized instrument of God from which different sounds give forth one saving voice to those who are willing to hear. And He's quoting Origen. He's... Oh... Oh, man, this, this is so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. All right, I'm going to look something up really quick. I'm having a hard time here, okay? All right. Okay, here, okay. Uh, of, uh, hang on, of, see if here, if I can find this. Let's see here. Uh, okay, well, yeah, if you just, if you, <laughs> if you just start looking here, okay, uh, yeah, like there's, there's these articles, like even from Christian history, origin, model, or heretic, okay, right? And you can, you can go, if you can start reading articles about origin, you'll be like, whoa, whoa, what, what in the world? How do we understand, uh, how do we even understand origin, okay? Um, let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we could get into his approach of interpret of, of of hermeneutics would be a major problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. 
Yeah, there, there's so many things here that we could get into of, of the teachings of origin. I would just challenge you to do a little study on the, on the doctrines of origin and you'd be immediately go, whoa, wait a minute. So he's talking about scripture is clear. Look at all of these people who, who seem to indicate that, but those people didn't even agree with one another. And, and some of those things that they taught, I mean, we could go see what year was it? I think maybe I can find the year really quick. Maybe I can find the year really quick. Um, what year was it? Let's see here. Um, let's see here. Where is it? Where is it? Okay. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Yeah, we won't go into what he supposedly did right there to himself. We definitely won't go into that. Uh, where is it? If I can find it. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I can't find it. He is... Uh, Hang on, let me do this. Let me do this. Hang on, give me one second. If I can find the date. I'm just trying to find the date. Okay. Uh, yeah, in 543, uh, uh, he was condemned uh, as a heretic. In 543, he was condemned as a heretic. Now, we could get into... Uh, we could get into some of the uh, other issues here. Uh, okay. Uh, supposedly he was anathematized after he was dead. Okay. Uh, he was a universalist believing he believed even the devil would be saved. And he taught souls were pre-existing. So, uh, so origin, the universalist, he's going to quote origin on, on a, on a thing about the Bible is clear. So why is there so many denominations? And he's going to quote origin who was condemned as a heretic, or you could say anathematized. I know we could get into technical terms or well, a heretic is for someone. Li- okay, we could get into all of the, uh, the technical terms and how that goes down. But I, 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 and I, and I have, Oh, I have a lot of different things on origin because I've got into debates with people about origin. And I'm like, you're going to quote origin. Origin had all of these issues. Now, I think all the church fathers had some issues, but that's the point. You quote them, you go to church history and go, look what origin said. And I could go and look what origin said. You're going to believe in, that even Satan is saved. You're going to believe in a universalist approach to salvation. Well, absolutely not. Well, then, but, but I need them in order to make the scriptures clear. And then I'm going to use the scriptures to judge. I don't know how any of this is supposed to fix his supposed what he set out to fix. Hey, if the Bible's clear, why there's all these denominations? Well, I mean, the 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 church fathers understood that there were people who were misquoting scripture. Okay, so you're yet to explain to me if the Bible is so clear, why has there been arguing and fighting and debating? And this person declared a heretic, and this person declared a heretic, and this person declared anathematized. Why is all this happening for two thousand years if the Bible is so clear? In other words, the fathers believed the Bible was internally consistent and that they had understood it correctly while their opponents had misunderstood it. And we dare to say the same thing. This is the great challenge of our day. Not only to show that what we believe is right, but to defend our very right to be right. It's one thing to have to convince people this is right. We we don't even get there sometimes. And, and let me just be a plea, especially for any of you who are, are lay people. You don't usually go to conferences like this. 
And I know there, there's a, it's a good kind of humility in a way, but it, it can be disconcerting when people in the church say, you know what, there's so many smart PhDs who disagree on this thing. I can never possibly come to a conclusion on the matter. Look, if you are going to abdicate your privilege and responsibility to read the scriptures for yourself, every time PhDs disagree on something, you will know nothing. You you don't think there are really smart people out there? Okay, so now he's telling the individual Christians. Earlier he was like, well, hey, if you're going to be able to understand the Bible, you got to do this, and 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 you got to do this. But then he was like, no, you, the Bible is... So I don't know. Is it only a special class of Christians who can understand the Bible? Or is it uh, any Christian can understand the Bible? So no Christian should say, well, you know, there's all these differences of opinions. I'm never going to understand this. No, don't do that. You have a responsibility to read it and interpret it. <laughs> but 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 you need church history to do it. Well, what, what do you expect from the average church member? What do you want them to do? You're not giving them any... You've, you're all over the place. You need church history, but you're going to judge church history. Well, how much of the lay person are they going to read? You quote Origin, which if any if they start reading Origin, they could end up being a heretic. Like I, like I don't, I don't even know what you're trying to say. But you don't want them to say, "Well, I'm never going to figure this out." No, 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 no! Don't do that don't, because because if if you if you leave it to the uh, every everyone with a everyone with an advanced degree, if you're waiting for them, well, they're never going to agree. Oh, so, so wait a minute. Now you're telling me that the people with the advanced degrees don't agree. So then if the scriptures are clear, how come even those with advanced degrees can't agree? So where is the clarity if no one can agree? But wait, you minimized, you minimized the disagreement. Now you're saying, hey, just, just because someone has an advanced degree, I mean, if you're going to wait for them... Guess what? Guess what? You're you're never you're never going to uh, you're never going to know what the Bible says because they can't agree. Well, wait a minute. I thought you said that they, uh, dis, the disagreement wasn't that big a deal. Now you're saying that the people with advanced degrees never agree. <laughs> I, I don't know. Who've written really footnoted works? Who think Jesus never rose from the dead? Jesus wasn't the Son of God. There is no hell, there is no devil, there are no demons. Anything we hold as precious and inviolable as Christians, there's some smart person out there who disagrees with it. And so if we're just going to throw up our hands. All right, so now you're saying that there's, there's always going to be someone disagreeing, but he minimized the disagreement just a little while ago. Now he's acknowledging how much disagreement there is out there. So is there a lot of disagreement or is there no disagreement? I, I, I wish he would let us know. Say, oh, so many smart people disagree. I'll, I'll never figure it out. No, we need to study. We have the privilege. We have such an embarrassment of riches. All of the resources. I mean, just a wealth of information at your fingertips, in a bookstore, in your homes, open your Bibles, study your Bibles, become convinced in your own mind of these things, and then dare to say, you know what, I'm open to being corrected, but I humbly think that your interpretation here is incorrect, and here's why. That's how we learn. I don't even know if people want to pursue knowledge anymore, if any of us are really interested in, in learning truth. 
If we're not willing to say, yeah, I, I think that's right. Now, tell me what you think, and we'll actually have an exchange of ideas. Here's the ninth response. We must remember that at some point, everyone wants to affirm that Scripture says something clearly, whether others disagree or not. At some point, everyone wants to say, well, Scripture is clear on that matter, whether other people disagree or not. So again, in his book, Christian Smith, who has you know, spent a good part of the book to you know, explode this idea of pervasive interpretive pluralism, you know, drop this bomb on evangelicals. Then he gets later to talk about Ron Sider's book, Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, which he says makes a, quote, clear biblical case about poverty and hunger. Now, I'm not making any sort of comment about that book, but I'm just stating that even in a book where he's saying, we, we don't agree on these interpretations and we all have different interpretations on the Bible, at, at some point, everyone comes to something in the Bible that's important to them that they then say, well, that's clear. So he says the commandments about generous giving are, quote, pervasive, clear, straightforward, obvious, and simple, end quote. Okay, well, wait a minute. What about pervasive interpretive pluralism? You just said we throw up our hands. Now you're saying, well, well, obviously when it talks about the poor, when it talks about giving, that is obvious. I remember reading years ago Brian McLaren's book, The Secret Message of Jesus, and he so often criticized moderns, as he called them, for being so sure about the Bible and pinning everything down and getting everything freeze-dried in our systematic theologies and not leaving room for mystery and thinking that we have everything nailed down and put God in a box and who really can know with all these interpretations. But then he wrote a book, The Secret Message of Jesus, and argued that his reading of the kingdom was right because, quote, it accounts for more of the details included in the text than a bad reading. So everyone... So you keep pointing out how there's disagreement, <laughs> that, that even those who acknowledge all that there's all this disagreement and then nobody can figure out, even they try to, because listen, if you're going to be a Christian, everyone, it, no matter how much you, I don't know why he thinks it's a contradiction. I can acknowledge this pervasive uh, interpretive pluralism exists because it's a fact at the same time, I can try my best to come up with an interpretation and go, I believe this to be right. At the same time, acknowledging that no matter how much I think I'm right, 70 other th people are going to say that I'm wrong. So you can acknowledge the pervasive intellect or the pervasive interpretive pluralism. You can acknowledge it at the same time, say here, though, I think the Bible is clear here. You can say that knowing, though, that it's not going to matter because other people are going to disagree. Even he's acknowledged the Bible's not clear at all points. He's even acknowledged that. So the other people were acknowledging the Bible's clear. It's obviously not clear. But he wants to say, no, he's, he wants to say it's clear and that the reason there's all of these interpretations, I don't, I don't know. He's not even given us a reason why all these interpretations exist. Other than say, don't, don't overemphasize them, play them down. But then they'll turn around and go, look, these, all these people with advanced degrees are going to disagree, so don't rely on them. And wait, all of these people who wrote books about how many different interpretations, they disagree with this. And, oh, okay, so all you're doing is demonstrating how much disagreement there is. Who's interested in Jesus and the Bible comes to some point where they've sort of thrown up the dust in the air and everything's confusing, but then they say, well, listen, listen let's be straight here for a minute. 
we can really know what it says about the kingdom. We can really be sure what it says about justice. We really do know what it says about generosity. Everyone wants the Bible to say something clearly. It's true that some things in the Bible are clear and some things are less clear. I don't have any problem with people arguing that, well, that's less clear than this. What is a problem is when people don't bother to argue their case, but instead they push aside beliefs that they're not interested in and they simply say, well, there's a million interpretations and theories, so let's not get worked up over this one. And then when they come to the doctrines they really care about, they say, this is obviously and abundantly clear. And we need to pay attention not only to our own context, but to that most neglected community of interpreters, the communion of the saints. We, we talk about diversity in our day, but what about the diversity of the dead? What about the Christians who have gone before us? Or, or what about, and I'm thinking in particular, the, the, the debates in our day about sexuality. And it's easy to say, well, look, you know, we just, there's so many good people that disagree on marriage and sexuality. Well, when you go into history and you have, what, what is marriage and is it between persons of the opposite sex or of the same sex? That, that was not an unclear issue. That was not confusing. Still today, when you go to most parts of the world, most Christians. He wants to keep, it, 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 it's so not genuine, right? It, it's, it's so disingenuous because here's the thing. Stop looking at how all these extreme examples of, well, nobody can agree on sexuality. Well, if we go back in church history, they can agree on sexuality. Let's deal with what's going on inside literal conservative churches where we can't agree on repentance, salvation, baptism, church structure. Like, deal with all of those things. So, so, oh, well, the early church agreed on sexuality. So, see, the Bible has to be clear. If the Bible's clear, then why can't we find agreement on those things that are not even dealing or controversial like sexuality. We can deal with basic stuff. I don't know, like salvation for crying out loud. Around the world, that is not unclear. So you want to talk about Western imperialism. It is foisting our own secularism upon the rest of the church in the world and throughout history. And here's a final point. And then we'll be done a few minutes early because you need a break and I need to find a restroom. So, (laughs) this is most important. We should have the same confidence in the Bible that Jesus had. The same confidence in the Bible that Jesus had. It would be good to turn to at least one. I want to make this, I want to make this clear. I'm not arguing against having confidence in the scriptures. I'm not arguing that the Bible is inspired, infallible, and inerrant. I'm not arguing against any of that. What I'm saying is that we as Christians have to sit there and acknowledge, however, 2,000 years of taking this Bible, opening it, reading it, studying it, and preaching it, we still don't agree on basically anything. Why? Well, the Bible's clear. It's so clear. That nobody can agree. I don't know why it's so, I, I think it's just, I think it's more just being genuine and honest going, you know what, I, I, I don't know how clear it is because we can't seem to figure it out. 
but hey, we need to have the same opinion of the Bible as Jesus did. I, I got, look, here's what I do know. Jesus can have a strong opinion of the Bible and use the Bible because I don't know. Oh yeah, he was God. (laughs) So I think he can use it in a far more dogmatic and assertive way because I don't know. He probably does know the correct interpretation. One text before we finish. Matthew 19, reading from verse 3. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And he goes on to quote from Genesis. Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce, they ask, and to send her away? He said to them, because... Of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. You know the context. You know there were a plurality of opinions. There was a... And you know, 2,000 years later, there's even more a plurality of opinions. can you get a divorce? Can you get remarried? What are the options for divorce? Is divorce is there no is there no reasons to get divorced? Can you only get a divorce for adultery or sexual immorality? What sexual immorality can that be? If a man looks at a woman with lust, he's already committed adultery. Can a woman uh, um, divorce her husband because he's committed lust? That's adultery. Well, no, 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 no. No, we don't treat that kind of adultery. This oh, we don't treat that adultery the same way because in other situations we treat that adultery the same way. So do we or do we not? And wait a minute. And and that passage it says fornication, not adultery. So some believe that the you can that that this was saying you could put away your wife during the betrothal stage if she was found to have committed sexual immorality before the actual marriage. Others like no, no, no. Good Jew, he dared to say what a faithful, a correct, a right interpretation would be. And do you notice this language here in verse four? Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And then verse five and said. Who said? We got to go up to verse four. It's a continuation with the creator. The creator made them male and female, and the creator said. Now, why is that significant? Because he goes to quote from Genesis, and you could go back to Genesis 2, and you find that there's no direct speech in Genesis 2 that a voice from heaven declared these things to Adam and Eve, but it's simply the narration. It's the text of Scripture. Jesus can say, when he quotes from the text of Genesis, that this is what the Creator has said. This is what God has said. Whether or not it's a direct quotation from God, everything in this book is a word that God has spoken. No one, I, I'm not disputing that. that. That has nothing to do with it. I do believe that everything in this book comes from God. That doesn't make it clear. That doesn't mean the fact that we're going to be able to understand it and be able to, we're going to come to conclusions because obviously nobody can come to, to an agreement on anything. It's not, no one is disputing that the Bible is the word of God. I believe it's the word of God. You're making the argument. It's clear. So why are there all these different denominations? He, he's not even yet answered the question.
He's not even tried to answer. He's not even tried to deal with the problem. He's just like, well, the Bible is God's word. Okay. All the people who disagree believe the Bible is God's word. Now, why is that significance for this issue of clarity and pervasive interpretive pluralism? It's significant for this reason. The question is not really, first of all, epistemological. You know, epistemology is how do we know what we know. Before it is an epistemological question, it is a theological question. That is to say, what do we believe about God? What sort of God is he? Many of you uh, know of this poem, and perhaps you've, I think Don Carson has used an illustration with this poem, and I've mentioned it before, but that that little doggerel poem called The Six Blind Men of Hindustan. And it's this poem that talks about the six blind men and the elephant, and one of them touches the side, and it says it's a wall, and another one touches the ear and says it's a fan. Another one grabs his trunk and says it's a rope. And and the, the point of this little poem is this is what we're all like with religion. We're just blind men. We're just groping around, and we think we know what we what we have, but really we just touch and feel a part of the elephant, and we all have our different interpretations, and we don't really understand the truth. Blind men. Elephant wall, it's a rope, it's a fan. Of course, there's two fundamental problems with that little analogy. One, the whole story is told from the position of omniscience, someone who does clearly know what's going on and what the animal is. But here's the question I want, or the the problem I want to draw your attention to. Okay, that may sound all very well and good, and that may sound very humble, and, you know, who am I? I'm just blind. But, But what if, what if the elephant speaks? What if the element, elephant says, I know you're blind. I'm an elephant. You said, man, I don't know. I think you're like a paradox. Oh, man. Yeah. I wish the Bible was that easy to understand because you, you know, if the elephant, elephant speaks, I wish the elephant could say, here's how you baptize. Here's who you baptize. Here's when you baptize. And here's what baptism does and it doesn't do. Here's when you take the Lord's Supper. Here's how you take the Lord's Supper. Here's who can take the Lord's Supper. Here's how the church should operate. Here's how the church shouldn't operate. Here's what you should believe about salvation. Here's what you shouldn't believe about salvation. Like, yeah, if the elephant speaks... See, your thing is like, well, see, this is so dumb because these people are blind. Well, the elephant speaks, so therefore it's clear. Yeah, well, I believe God has spoken. I believe it's right here. (laughs) I believe uh, we don't, uh, I don't believe we uh, yet quite figure it out. Seriously, I'm an elephant. But to me, I feel like you're a flamingo. I'm an elephant. Okay, at that point, are you humble or are you hard of hearing? We have this idea, this is G.K. Chesterton, he said, we have put humility in the wrong place. Humility was meant to be placed over the organ of ambition, not over the organ of knowledge. And then he says, we are in danger of making a race of men who are too meager to believe in the multiplication tables. What if God has spoken? That's why this issue of clarity and perspicuity is fundamentally a theological question. Do we have a God who wants to be understood, 
who is God enough to communicate in a way so that humans can know him, love him, worship him, and be saved by him. That was the issue in the Reformation. That's why William Tyndale worked on his translation. That's why he said before he died that the Lord might open the king's eyes. That's why he said to the man who scoffed at him in his work that if God would give him strength to complete this translation, he would make the plowboy in the field to know more of God than this man of the religious elite did. Because God is a God. See, back to that idea that this, the, the, poor, the boy with the plow in the field can understand as much as the learned religious guy. So meaning, so then why at the same time did he argue earlier that we need all of these other things? And if it's that easy that the, plow, the boy with the plow in the field can understand it, then after 2,000 years, there's just more denominations, more interpretations, more differences of opinions, more fights, more church splits, more arguments, more debating, more yelling and screaming. Just look at Christian social media. God who wants to be known and is God enough to make himself known even to fallible, fallen human beings. So it may sound very humble to say, I just don't want to put God in a box and all I have are my interpretations and I'm not smart enough to understand. But is God smart enough to be understood. If, is God smart enough to be understood? Well, then let's ask that question. God, why is the church so divided and nobody can understand your word? Well, I guess God's not powerful enough or smart enough to make us understand. Is that the conclusion from this? That's the question. Let's pray. There you go. That's the conclusion. I'm sorry. I was hearing. I thought someone was. Uh, I thought someone was yelling at me from downstairs. I'm like, wait, what did I just do? Okay, no, okay. I th- I don't think they're yelling at me. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say. We we've spent now four plus hours taking this apart. That is his solution to the problem. If the Bible is clear, why are there so many denominations? I don't think he ever answered the question. He just keeps assuming the Bible is clear and then he kind of puts the blame on people at the same time. And then he says, you need this, but we, but at the same time, the Bible can be understood by someone who wouldn't even know any of those other things. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't really know at all how to even summarize what the answer is there. I don't, I, I mean, we've spent over four hours on this and I, maybe over five hours now. I, 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 I have I have no explanation. I have no explanation. I would love to get your thoughts on all of it. News if at yahoo.com. News if at yahoo.com. I would love I would love to get your thoughts because I'm literally I'm just I'm baffled. I'm perplexed, confused. Just I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I do apologize that we had a little bit of technical difficulty there. Um, remember, we're still learning this whole setup, and uh, I got to remember when I mute the mic to when we're doing sermon reviews. I got to I got to mute I got to hit mute on two things the mic and on the computer screen. I have to hit two things and when it's time to come back on to talk I've got to turn it on on both. And well, 
I keep I forget sometimes to turn it back on, and then I I kind of messed up. So I'm going to go back and try to find out where I made that mistake and edif- and uh, edify it, edit it if I need to. All right, thanks for listening. I, I wish I look, and uh, we're at an hour, so I will do one more episode in this series just to kind of talk about what I think are possible options and solutions to this problem. I don't know if I have anything pr- very profound to say because clearly nobody. I mean. Nobody has an answer, right? Um, it says it's amazing how we can convince ourselves of things others see uh, uh, of things others see irrational. I, well, I mean, it's true. I mean, I, 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 it's just. I think that's the. I think the problem is, is that we all see what we see as rational, and we see what others see as irrational. Like I just listened to that. I think it's completely irrational. I think it's crazy. Others will hear that and go, the Bible is clear. He proved it. That was the best sermon I've ever heard on the subject. And I'm listening to that going, I just, I don't, I, I, I don't know how that resolves anything. I don't. I just don't see how that fixes literally anything. I, I, he, he is a good communicator. He's a good speaker. He's he's articulate. He's got good inflection. He's got all the things you're supposed to have to be a good conference speaker. But if the Bible's clear, why are there thousands of denominations? What, what's the answer? Oh, don't 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 exaggerate it. Okay, that is that helpful? I don't, I don't know. What 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 was his go? What was his go to answer? It's, it's your fault because you don't know church history, but, 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 but you've got to judge church history, but, but, the, but the boy in the field, who's just using the plow, he can understand. I, 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 I don't get it. And then God supposedly is smart enough and powerful enough to make us understand. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, well, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I guess maybe he, maybe God only spoke to him. Because I'm still waiting for God to make me understand. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful evening. We'll, uh, maybe we'll do something else tonight. I just need a broadcast to go well today without any problems, <laughs> without any mic problem, without any. So I'm going to do something today that goes well. I promise you. I, I hate that. Uh, I it, it bothers me when I have a, a mess up in any in, in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to go back and listen to how bad the mess up was and see. But, all right. If anyone remembers where you were listening on Spreaker and it went silent for probably, I don't know, an extended period of time, I would love to know when that was so that I can fix it. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great evening. God bless. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.